0: rock and roll music slowly fades in welcome to the friday uh if you're living in auckland you're enjoying the semi-lockdown of a level level 2.5 if you're living out of it it's probably the same for the last couple of weeks and if you're in the states you're on month five of lockdown so same shit, different day it's copy paste groundhog uh Welcome along, Ribbit Live, a uh, couple of cool guests today and also um pretty interesting one minute pitch that's going to be coming up, uh, which I think you'll be very interested in. Uh, we've got, um, actually our one minute pitch is actually just trying to join the tournament. It's like, mate, you're not on for a little bit, but if you stick around, I'll, I'll maybe give you an earlier run if you want, but you'll, you'll see when you pop up. Uh, interesting first, uh, so the show today, first guess, I'm just going to just jump straight into it. Cam Swainson. How are you, mate?
1: Very good. How are you? Good, sir?
0: I do like it that you've jumped straight in the mix and you have probably one of the best audio setups of all time. You've got the little pop filter going on. You've got the thing in the back. You've got a fresh fade. You've even had a shower this morning. Looking buddy great, mate. Give you that to start with. I'll give you some. I'll give you some claps for, the, for more here than me. There you go. Uh, for those who don't know uh, who you are and what you do, give yourself a quick little spiel. And I'm interest, really interested to get into the topic of what we're going to talk about. Give a quick, quick little... Uh, yes,
1: I'm Cam uh, Swainson Whanga. So I've been working in television sort of almost 20 years, but in the last four years getting into game game development and trying to use edu- that as educational and gamification of learning, and that's where I am now.
0: Very very succinct there, mate, very succinct. Yeah. Plus, you, we can do a, 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 you understand the edtech space, and one of the things that I wanted to kind of get straight into was about, let's talk about lockdown and the effects of schooling ed tech and kids at home learning. Um, how stuffed are our, some of our children gonna get mentally from being on lockdown for so long? <laughs> Is it an issue? Is it not? Does it matter? What's What's your thoughts on lockdown and the effects on kids?
1: Yeah, my opinion comes from I've got three kids, uh, 10, 12, and 15. So uh, from my perspective, I see what's happening with them through the lockdowns and uh, that's happening. Yeah, I, I definitely think there'll, there could be some flow on effect. It all depends how each parent manages in there. It's around device time per day. Uh, the teachers are, are got on board very quick. So usually they'll have two or three hours worth of stuff they can do in the day, but the rest of the time, because it can't go anywhere by default. I know a lot of parents, even ourselves, are a bit guilty two, three, four hours, five hours. We know they're on that device. So the flow-on of the wellness from that could, could could be quite big.
0: Is it like the, the same thing that happened with self? Like watching adults go through the first round to the second, there was very clearly a shift in emotion that happened with adults going to the second. The first felt we're unified, we are one. The second – for those, a lot of those that I've talked to is very much like, oh, shit, not again. And it sort of stuffed a whole bunch of people up mentally. When cell phones first came along, no one probably thought the pure impacts of phone addiction and all these other bits and pieces that come along with it. For sustained periods of time, because I guess this is kind of short little spurts, do you think it's going to have an effect on the future generation just yet? Or they'll remember it like, oh, remember we hung at home a whole bunch and our teacher was on a screen? Like, how do you think this plays out um, if we, if it's cycles like this for, I don't know, stop, go lollipop, um, lockdown, lock on, lockdown. How do you think this plays out mentally for kids?
1: Yeah, they're going to look back and my kids were asking, go, dad, what's going to happen in a few years in that? And, and when we get older, will we, we'll, we will refer back to this. And, um, we're all yeah. talking, saying that this may be the new normal babies being born now this may be the only world they know that people walk around with masks and you do schooling from home, which is a horrible thing to to think. But my kids are thinking that they'll be part of history and that it may not. And I think what you're referring to that, yo, yo, we're back in it. I think there's a realization is click like, holy heck, this thing is not going away easily. And we could do it again in two months and in four months, another super bug in 10 months holy heck i think the second one is now heading home well wow, we've got to change the way we live our businesses how we earn money i think it's a really big wake-up call
0: definitely agree the mental headspace of business people that i've talked to for the second one has started to totally reframe how they are actually thinking about the sustainability of certain types of businesses the the industries they're in how they actually operate um, when it comes to school and the integration of tech it feels like technology's almost saved the education sector than if it was 10 years ago, right? Because you could imagine, can you imagine in 2009 or 10 trying to do Skype calls through, I mean, for starters, the technology didn't actually exist. So in a weird way, we've finally, only in the last maybe, I don't know, what, three years, we've had broadband good enough to, and technology that can chuck on, you know, 250 people in a Google Hangouts or a Microsoft Teams or whatever it may be. Um, Has technology actually saved education in 2020 instead of if it was 2010?
1: Uh, Absolutely. I think uh, big time it's allowed the teachers to still connect, keep an eye on the learning and teaching it. And moving forward over the next 10, 20 years, technology may may help revolutionize education. It sort of has with YouTube now. How many people know how to tile their bathroom now because of YouTube and learning? So the method of learning and education eh? itself, I know you (laughs) haven't (laughs) learned to tile. (laughs) Um, I (laughs) uh, But yeah, so no, I I think, yeah, the timing 10 years ago would have been stuffed. There just wouldn't have been no learning during this period. But uh, moving forward, I think it's, sped up what probably was coming in anyway and but you know you got udemy and these massive sort of almost university online and all of them and people learning that way now so i think it's just a prelude to actually a whole um revitalization or a whole change in the education sector how the how communities and society teach their next generation is completely going to be changing
0: what do you think has been broken with education in new zealand in the last since our, in, our, in our generation that's come through, say, in the last 20 years?
1: Uh, I don't think it's changed much in 100 years, and that's probably the big problem is uh, someone up the front, uh, one size, one delivery fits all, all 30 kids. So, And what's broken, maybe looking after the teachers. They haven't been looked after. It's become stress, more stressful, no, their not, well-being. Not the kids. It's actually
0: teacher-based
1: i think part of it's the teachers' base not being looked after by government societies the pay rates they get everything is just horrible so there's one that's broken it hasn't fit with the time they're one of the most important professions in our societies yet they are paid one of the lowest so i think that's sort of broken maybe they were always low paid but um that and um just that one size fits all uh, I, I think we realize now that people have different learning styles and learning methods and we need to adapt and, and try and have multiple ways so that uh, everyone can come out the other end um, educated.
0: How much more do you think the New Zealand uh, New Zealand education system needs to change for the needs that you feel your children actually have?
1: I, I think the uh, the government and some of the funding models would be more helpful if uh, people like myself and a lot of other who, who are making really good resources for the teachers that they know that they exist and that there's plenty of them. The lesson planning sort of helped and done. Um, all the resources are there so the teachers don't spend three hours before and two hours after school, et cetera, doing all the sort of extra pre-work. I think if the government – at the moment, each school and each teacher gets to choose which resource they want and separate funding. And people like me have got to try and reach 2,500 schools. We have to go one by one by one. And the teachers don't know we exist. If they did, they'd use more and more of out. Out there. So I think that that area there could be improved and it could really help.
0: I like the thinking of um, not necessarily at the, the student level, but actually to the teachers who are doing it. And, I, you know, in New Zealand, we've had multiple strikes for nurses and teachers and, you know, police and whatever else as well. You know, in a situation like, say, COVID, the heroes are the frontline workers, the heroes are the doctors and the nurses, and then the heroes also with the other teachers, you know. In many ways, I get you know my mum was a teacher for many years, and my wife's a nurse. So I, I, both of those things are very close to home, and I definitely feel there's a. It seems like a bit of a disconnect for the things that truly matter financially, with how they're actually compensated for the actual true value of what they do for society. So I'm a massive um, fan of 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 teachers and um, all the, all those sort of workers doing it, but then it sort of brings you to the point of okay, well, the teachers are from education budget. Education is the politics. Everything. It's funny. The older you get, everything leads back to politics somehow. Right? It's all about flipping power and money and politics. It's like I'm. I've been really intrigued. Just every touch point. If you follow it all the way up, sooner or later, it gets to, to somewhere, somewhere, and you know, at the beehive that that ha- that it, it affects you. Um, if you were to the minister of uh, education, I, th- I guess that's probably the right person. I don't know who that is. So I'm sure it's someone very smart. Um, what would you change about the New Zealand education system now to make it better for you, for your kids? What would you do differently? If you could make it like no politics, no drama, no voting, no nothing, you could just come in and just openly dictate, all right, Muppets, this shit's popping. Boom, 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 boom. What would you do?
1: I'd probably uh, make some sort of uh, – not. Yeah, compulsory list of predetermined resources that are signed off and approved by experts, Ministry of Ed, and say, okay, teachers and schools, you have 30. Here's your package of 30 to pick from. We've gone through, made them really good. We're we're, uh, subsidizing the costs of them. So just these are the ones to use. And here they are. They've got great lesson plans and all that, and and a technology base, so it's blended learning so that they can use it in the classroom. But if anything happens, they can use it at home, et cetera. So that would be my one big... um, uh, check if, if, uh, Chris Hipkins yep. is the minister.
0: Yep. Um, Holly Russell says, uh, as a parent in New Zealand, uh, do you feel it would be more beneficial for the teacher to facilitate class, f- facilitate class, the duration of the school day instead of snips of zoom calls?
1: Facilitate the whole school day. Potentially to try and keep the kids sitting and and structured, but you could probably do snippets. And if it's a little more um, uh, specified learning and they can go away and do an exercise for 30 minutes, then come back. So maybe they could come on and off. I'd probably agree on that, come on and off three or four times through the day. But allow the children some uh, agency, self reliance to go away for half an hour be trusted then come back on and share your work with others and things like that or breakout rooms could do that uh, type as well
2: hmm
0: yes it's 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 funny when you become a parent and you start thinking about what experience is my kid getting where they like you you care a lot more it's like when a friend of mine uh for years, he was just kind of just, you know, just cruising along doing his thing. And then he bought his first house. And then I rang him one day on a Sunday, and he was out there at the front, and he was trimming the little corner side bits, blah, blah. And he's like, mate, you'll be surprised as soon as something's yours how much you genuinely give a shit about the most simple things. He's like, and you wait to have kids with the same thing. And it's funny, you know, when you have them kids, you're thinking about all these little things with how they're doing it. Um, so right now in the tech space, where's the sweet spot, you think, between education and technology that not, not many people are actually – Capitalizing or trying to leverage right now, where's a sweet spot of ed tech that most parents won't be um,
1: won't be doing? Um, for New Zealand, it's New Zealand based ed tech. Is, I guess a sweet spot meaning I uh, take that as sort of where's missing or, or would yeah, be like the where, perfect. Where, where,
0: yeah. Where do you think like r- right now there is? a huge opportunity for New Zealand between education and technology.
1: Yeah, definitely there for uh, New Zealanders and uh, content creators and educational content creators to make our, our stuff and make it a digital version of it. There's a lot of them have got, you know, been in the game for a while, but they've got PDF or very basic versions. So that side of it there. um, The other sweet spot where we're in is the gamification of it, where there's just a reward system and really just upping it because we've got to compete with other uh, mediums that the students are used to playing, like Fortnite and things like that. Uh, Unfortunately, we're having to sort of match that really to keep their attention which i don't think is a great thing but it is what it is and we've got to um you know deliver to them i think
0: when most people have short attention spans visually when they are interacting with a screen if we look at TikTok, it's down to like the seconds it's it's like if they're playing when they're playing games it's game overload and then to use that same screen to sit there and just stare at it not doing anything it feels so counterintuitive for the way that they actually interact with a device does that make sense
1: absolutely I think that's what's problem we've sort of programmed them now to get used to that 50 years ago a book and a radio when that first came on was amazing you know but then that soon then when you got video TV to match with radio you know you can't compete et cetera so yeah you're exactly right that they're just their way of consuming anything whether it's learning fun or not it's just so lightning fast and if it's not there they almost switch off and so um, it's a sad state that it's in that but uh, we've got to try and keep education uh, coming along with it I guess matching
0: I just think of does education need to potentially be redesigned for how it's been delivered if the way that the general if kids are consuming in a, in a stream mentality fast, go, 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 whatever, and then all of a sudden that they're learning not in a way that's like that, you've got two different formats which they don't, one they like because they're consuming and the other one they don't like because they're, I guess, sort of sitting there, I guess, passively and just having it sort of come to them. Are, are there any, is there any stuff in the ed tech space that you've seen that uses um, real micro short film versions of education far, like it, it's, it's more gamified to the point where it's more things that they're intrinsically like or actually used natively. Does that make sense? Like is the formatting of current education when they're trying to go virtual wrong?
1: Uh, No, there's a lot of new players in this over the last few years um, and becoming really big around the world. And a lot of our uh, students are using them. So there's a lot like that's very fast. It's a short, Lesson could be twenty to forty seconds long, little video, and then you quickly got oh, to answer. Wow. And, it's brish, 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 and then thirty that's seconds, cool. forty seconds, brish, 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 and that's what we've done. Time. We're yeah, yeah, we've we we do that. All our resources is thirty to forty second video lesson. That's it, and then we get into some sort of interactive, couple of questions, something. Zip, 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 then back to a little video zip, 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 for that reason, because that's where they're at. You can't show them a ten minute video now and then ask ten questions. That that right that up. format I don't think will work. So we just do little. Psh, little reward at the end they need the bing bing and the noises yep. then you go on reward. yeah so that's uh that's the space we're in and there's a few players in it um and uh yeah i think that's where um the education system needs to go for everything almost
0: i get it um and before we go you've got a, a kickstarter campaign that is sort of bubbling away you want to have a quick little plug for that i've saw, saw the link here go for it
1: yeah, so it's called Hyperlife. If anyone's out there, they just go into Kickstarter or the Gene Swainson Foundation uh, Facebook page or Hyperlife. It's called. It's, so it's a nature science-based reforestation game um, based in New Zealand, and it is exactly what we're talking about, but it's uh, aligned with science in that. That's what we want to do. So we're just needing some funding to uh, be able to kick that off. We've got the skills and ability to make this type of game. We've already done a few other financial literacy in Te Reo Māori, so it's just getting into this. It's important to teach the next generation around looking after our land, how you reforest and gamifying it. Um, there it is there. Yeah. And um, we have partnered with uh, Trees That Count, which will also plant a tree in the real world. So the funding is to ask you to plant a tree in the virtual world for this game learning resource. But also if you back $50 or more, you get to plant a tree in the real world through Trees That Count and you get to track it and everything. So just uh, a really important resource. And we just hope that the New Zealand and anyone really could jump on and help us out and yeah we're very good at what we do making the games in there we just just need a few dollars That's to cool. mm.
0: so how big's the team to build us? how how? what's the timeline of it you get you you get your cash then how does it how does it work yeah we got a I
1: need a year and i've got a team of 18 at the moment 3d modelers and all that. and they're all based in new zealand we've got quite a few Maori that have trained up in that now as well so make sure right. it's culturally appropriate and things like that so yeah it's a bit of a team but we can do it
0: yeah, nice man. Uh, so they can just check out uh hyperlife on Kickstarter. That's it. Easy brother. Hey, appreciate your time, man. Um ed tech. It's it's honestly, I think I'm just becoming like just the classic thing. As soon as you start getting older, you just care about all this shit which you never thought you'd care about. Happens to all of us, mate. Appreciate your time. It's super cool the stuff you're doing. Is there another website people can go to? It's just campswah Swanson, uh, you saying?
1: Uh yeah, or Gene Swainson. Uh, foundation.com, gene Swainson foundation.com, foundation. uh, with a S W A I N in the middle there. Uh, that'd be great. They go there and they can see all the other work that we do and all the other uh, learning resources we've created.
0: Yeah, mega. Uh, appreciate it, brother. Stay safe, man. I'll talk to you soon. Eh.
1: you too. Stay safe. Okay.
0: Later, bro. Ed tech, the boy Leroy's on. Uh, hard one scrambling to design or uh, forecast a system of learning for a future we can't predict to a degree. Geez, Leroy. Jeez, that's pretty intellectual from someone from Owakuni, mate. Watch out. Jingle bells. Um, shot brother. No, I totally agree. Um, okay, what's uh, it? Anything that combats climate change in any way is crucial. Arangatahi are the key and getting them involved. Uh, means you have the champions for the next 60 years. Totally agree. Um, especially when you're going down the, the life cycle of, of uh, tree stuff, which obviously lasts generationally, which is very, very good. Um if you are just joining us, and I've got a link which I've just put up. So we've got a one minute pitch, which is gonna be later, uh, but I wanted to integrate a one a stop in now where if you're watching this right now and you would like a one minute pitch for you, your product, your service, your business, uh, right before we get on to um, Holly, or we can just jump in with Holly and then you can come on after it, um, is you get one minute to pitch you, your product, your business, your service, about anything you want live right here. I've put a little comment in, you can just scroll down. If you click that, you'll pop into the little studio, and then after you're in the little studio, you can just come in live, enter in, and then boom, you're away life, and you can get a free one of my plug for you and your business, and we've got another one coming up later. Um, Next guest, moving into politics. We transition well. I'm very excited for this one, because I've been slowly cluing up. Oh, I'll bring in it, ladies and gentlemen. The one and only Holly Bennett.
2: <laughs> Good morning. How are you? I'm great. How are you?
0: Um, I'm finding I'm I'm getting older and I'm caring more about politics. That's what I feel. I feel is happening. Well, not caring about it, caring about the implications of it. So I want to know what's happening with it.
2: Absolutely. And don't you think that that? is what sort of happens for the majority of people throughout their lives, because that's what we see in the voting numbers. It tends to be, you know, 40s and Mm. over that consistently turn out. And it's under 30s that are harder to engage.
0: It's because you don't give a shit when you're younger. You don't. You just, like, stuff it. Well, you have to
2: caveat that. Not everyone gives a shit. Not yet.
0: There's a lot more wokeness than – there is a—I take it back. There is a lot more wokeness than there was. <laughs> Woke wasn't a thing, but still, um, in numbers, it's disproportionately weaker than it probably should be. To be fair, right?
2: And it could also do with your upbringing. So obviously, I grew up in a household mm. where current affairs bored in the pootsier, so it yeah, was yeah, never yeah, not talked about. And yeah, that's
0: actually that's a fair point.
2: You know, robust debate was definitely encouraged around the dinner table probably encouraged less as i got older as i started winning yep. more arguments but <laughs>
3: ooh, ooh. Good room.
2: well actually you're yeah. just upset because i stuffed you up and it's like oh, fuck.
0: and then you, you know there's probably those chats as soon as you bailed out they're like oh i, th- I think she got us but yeah I yeah, she did. yeah she, she's she's good um how's the week been uh, miss holly bennett how's how's the world in politics been for you
2: um i mean overall it's been an interesting week i think the top Thing that we need to talk about, and I don't know how how it has come to you, if it has come to you to your radar. But is this issue about the green school? Have you Ooh, yeah. caught up with
0: uh, it? Yes. Uh, g- give me top line. Basically, old mate got like ten million or something for a school when like treaty settlements were just way less, and he did it. Is that is that right?
2: Yeah. So that that. That, that in essence, line. yes. yeah. So basically, there's a private school in Taranaki that was established this year. It has only got provisional approval to be a school, so it's not fully registered yet. That applied as one would expect for um, assistance from the government under the shovel-ready stuff, and ev- every business that can do infrastructure would make no sense for them not to apply. Um, They applied $11.7 million and uh, got granted it uh, as a grant. So $11.7 million for a not fully registered private school in Taranaki got taxpayer funding, or approved taxpayer funding.
0: Now, what's the plug-in with politics? Old Mate was on the board or something? How'd that hook up?
2: So I've been having a look. I can't really see any
0: direct what's the crossover
2: yeah yeah so how it came so the the minister that um pushed for it the minister that is then now having to deal with the fallout especially um with his own members the green party members because they have a policy a specific policy that says government funding aka taxpayers dollars does not go to uh private schools and i think in you know, that in generally speaking, that sounds absolutely reasonable, you know, because public schools yeah. are charging, what is it? $90 a year, you know, I as a donation. 30, yeah. 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 And yeah. then <laughs> private schools are charging 24,000 around there. So, you know, it makes sense to say, okay, well, yes, so we should be funding the public schools, you know, cause they don't have these revenue streams. Um, so, um, Basically, from what I can see is that James Shaw was int- so Minister Shaw was introduced to the people who are leading the school um, so the founders of the school through the Taranaki mayor, so then the district mayor. and yep. that is the connection. Other than that, there's not really any other connection.
0: So how'd this even get through for something private to get the public money?
2: So that, that's what's sort of coming back to the heart of the issue, and that's why people are a little bit, a, a lot in uproar, is because it was, in essence, something that Minister Shaw pushed. And again, it goes back to Green Party, that they have their own policy to say to not fund private schools. And you can see from their membership, that's why they're so upset, because it's directly in contrast. Don't have words written on a piece of paper if you're not going to do them when you're in government and that's sort of i understand that's why they're upset and i can see that um totally. and then so, the wider thing the wider mm. problem is that the print the public school principals <laughs> which i think is quite an astute, like uh pr move the public school principals and taranaki have all written invoices <laughs> and sent them all down to the government <laughs> i love that PC, i think that's great i think it's fantastic and said well if you're going to fund a private school then here's our invoice help us like, get some stuff
0: <laughs> so what's the bit that we're missing they, he represents a party that said on paper that they're not going to give public money to private schools he then pushes for the private school to get it even though it's not fully something's just off right like what's the hook
2: okay so the hook is so the, for me what's
0: the actual hook publicly or what's so, the, so, the, the yeah.
2: yeah 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 so for me there's two the first is it's that it's not a fully registered school so it's only got provisional registration so it could still tip over you know how like if you but, put an offer that just a makes house,
0: it even worse it's provisional so not only you're not supposed to do it you've then given to someone who's not even actually a, a legit full school yet right
2: yeah that's what i'm saying yes so <laughs> it's like offering a you know you put an offer on a house you know which has got conditions yeah and then if it falls over, you haven't got the house. You can't just say like, "Oh, well, it's my house," just because it's you know I've put it in an office. So it's the same principle. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is that it's a private school. Um, from what I have read, it's like you know it's there to create profit, which profit's not a bad thing. You know, in business, you can be driven by creating profit. Um, and but it's that eleven point seven million dollars was given to this private school. When they have public schools all across the motu, um, you think about Kora Papa, there's many educational facilities that are publicly funded that are saying, "Like, please help us with this, we need this. So it just is a little bit distasteful.
0: Well, if I mean, I don't know all the ins and outs, but if you've clearly... Given public money, something which you shouldn't, after it's written down, and then you've gone to not only just a regular private school, not even a, just a provisional one. Someone's going to get the get the axe. So who yeah, well, gets hey, the axe?
2: Well, who's on the axe Well, I don't know if that's see, I don't. So there's so obviously, James Minister Shaw is a Green Party minister, so he's Green Party, and then. He has said that Labour Party, Chris Hipkins, who's the Education Minister, so shout out to Cam, who said that's who the Education Minister was, when you're like, I don't know yeah, who it is. Well, you're smart. it <laughs> um, <laughs> um, has said that uh, Minister Hipkins gave his approval, and now Minister Ooh. Hipkins is like, no, I didn't. And Ooh. you've got New Zealand First as the other governing party also being like, you were the one, too, James Shaw, you were the one that pushed for this. So the other political parties, Labour and New Zealand First, are distancing themselves and putting it right on Green Party. So when you say who's going to get the axe, personally, well, I think that that's what their membership is pushing on their leader, and he has apologized. But I think you'll see that come out maybe in the election. Hmm. Because well, can you really, I don't know, it would be I'm not sure if we think about the people who have lost their jobs today as ministers. I don't think it's as egregious, um, but it's just sort of distasteful, and I can understand why the Green Party membership is upset, because it goes directly against their policy. And as I said before, there's no point in having policy if you're not going to do it. It's not worth Fair the enough. paper uh, it's written on them.
0: So, uh, Flick me James's email, and I'd love to say, hey,
2: mate,
0: I don't know much about your world, but you and your mate Chris sound like you guys stuffed up on a chat?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I
2: think, tired, right? I think you've just said that to him now <laughs> on uh, the yeah. live. So yeah, but you know.
0: but you, there's always more. There's, that's why I'm saying, like, there's. We're missed, like, that. It just doesn't. It seems off. And there's always. Anytime something seems off, it's because there's always way more shit that, you know. Mm-hmm that you never know about. So as much as you like, not that it's like hearsay, you see what you read, but what you read in the newspapers is usually the tip of the iceberg for what actually happens. And I've seen it multiple times with how these things play out. And mm. it just, it, but you know, it's pretty disappointing. Um, I did want to ask you a question actually. Yeah. I saw an article um, about um, Hosking's interview with Jacinda, and, yes. And I saw them in person. Obviously they don't have the, um, probably the best relationships at the best of times. Um, and the and I think the, the 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 vibe of the article is essentially saying there's nothing wrong with being a journalist, but there's something wrong with being a dick. And basically saying, "Old oh, mate was being a dick." Where do you feel runs the line of a journalist or someone as a media personality that has a political opinion to then use? I guess disrespect authority is disrespect authority the right word, but but like no, you know, it's not was, the right word. Yeah, what's the what do you um, like? Are you allowed just to talk to politicians like that? Like you know, just watching the interview, it just felt really um, kind of mean and cut offy and talk overy and jabbery and kind of just a bit gnarly. Is that? Are you allowed to do that as a journalist? Is that
2: yes? Is that okay? Yes, it's called well, holding the cut- government. It's called holding the government to account. And I listened to on that one. live. Y- no, no, yeah, no. go so for it. I'm going to give you a different opinion. Which is good, that good, I, listened to it, I listened to it live when it happened and all he was doing had a succession of questions which are publicly reported on. So it wasn't any gotchas. It wasn't like I've been sitting on some information and saying, as the leader of our country, as the head minister of our cabinet, what can you say about this? And I was astounded at the little, um, the little level of detail that was given in the responses in terms of even just being aware of some of these issues, and the the whole point of this is that when you have a department like Department of Internal Affairs writing to councils who are local body, um, you know who who are local bodies that have their own mayor and their own councillors, saying we have to have a look at what's going on in your for want of a bit of term dysfunctional council, that is a government department who was there, mandated on behalf of the government, asking questions, in essence, to find out what's going on with an issue. There's a minister that's responsible for that department, which is Minister Tracy Hipkins, therefore she would have got briefings on this stuff. They often don't go off and do things of this magnitude or this level just by themselves on their own volition, which means Minister Martin would have known about this and for some reason, some way in the chain, these briefings or this information is not being spread to the top. And what I would say is that, yes, COVID is an extremely important thing that we have to deal with. But when you are Prime Minister, you have to deal with everything going on in the country.
0: Got it. So the I guess my question wasn't necessarily about the questions that were asked, but the 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 tone of the interaction between journalists and and politician, are there codes that you should be so going by? Or is it, is it kind of fair game to just roll like that?
2: It's fair game. My dad always said to me as someone who had 40 years in the industry and he got hung up on by Helen Clark and got sued by Don Brash. So, you know, he said, he said, and he stands by this, and I believe it to be true to this day, and I always think about it in terms of politics, that when the media, uh, sorry, when politicians stop responding to the media, it's when they've lost it. Because that the media, the fourth estate, is often the only way that we know what's going on and our politicians are held to account.
0: Huh. So you're saying go harder. and Absolutely. So should, because we need to know.
2: Oh. Absolutely. So, you have. Have you seen some of the rhetoric around these one pm briefings? That there's been some journalists who say, "I can't get in my proper investigative questions because the timing is so short, and it's the mm. only. It's it's lauded as the transparent way in which to ask I of the government, and it's regular like you know um, regular questioning. But what they're saying is that I need three, four, five questions to be answered, and everyone doesn't answer them because they're saying, go to the one o'clock briefing. But all I get is one question.
3: Hmm.
0: Oh, so that's an inter- a different take. Cause when I, um, cause I don't, I haven't watched many sort of sit down sort of interviews, I guess, with journalists and politicians. the Like some of the questions, uh, you could tell it was like pretty, yeah, you're probably right. She probably didn't go deep enough on the details because there's probably a bunch of shit that maybe there's going on that she doesn't know about. But I guess mine was the tone of the energy of it. And if, if you're saying, hey, you know, if you represent that position, regardless how they ask you the question, they're flipping asking you the question. So shut up and answer it, right?
2: Yeah, but it all comes from perspective. So, yeah. you know, if we had, so for example, I'll flip it. You had Don yeah. Campbell going in on Simon Bridges when he was Minister of oh, Transport. I think. And that was.
0: Minister of Be- no, not
2: you. John Campbell. No, oh no. my God. Don't put Rabia Hollis and John Campbell in the like, You Can't do that. <laughs> um, what I would say is that so John Campbell, again, pressed Simon Bridges on a number of things. I can't remember what it was about. Maybe he oh, was just going left justice. to right.
0: Not right to live. yeah and
2: then so everyone yeah, okay. you know you you saw the people who are on who don't like simon or don't like national party saying yeah great interview fantastic more of that versus everyone who may be a supporter of simon or supporter of the national party saying like oh that was a little bit tough you're just gonna get it it's politics yeah. so- people like that they inherently look at what is on their side or their side that they believe in and then they go they flip it
0: Hmm. so if Hoskins is on the right and Campbell's on the left, who sits in the middle? Of that as a as an independent face of New Zealand journalism, who's respected to ask a question down the middle?
2: Robert Hollis.
0: Does that exist?
2: No, I just Robert don't Robert Hollis. Know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what the Minister of <laughs> Education is cast me in the middle. I wouldn't by default, I don't know either, either. No, but so my point. So basically, you're saying. Journalists with platform clearly lean a certain way and they, they are fair to attack it on each side. When one goes to the other side, all the Labour supporters are like, oh, that was super mean. And all the writers <laughs> are like, yeah, shit, yeah, go get her. But then if it was to be flipped, and it's like, hey, John, you're an asshole for going hard on. Yeah, okay, I see. So, just a serious question who runs, who creates, con- who's a journalist that creates content from an independent third party perspective that isn't biased?
2: Well, so all of them would say that that's what they do
0: but they don't because that's what they're that.
2: supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying, but I don't want to cast comment on people's like political views and whether that influences what they do or not don't do. It's like the same with judges. You know, they're supposed to be impartial judges, but they're all going to have their own life experiences which are going to impact the way in which they execute their job. So mm. to answer your question, perhaps the state broadcaster radio new zealand you know so that's the fund, you know they're funded by the government um and so perhaps their place but then you get the rhetoric that comes out when they do other stuff to say oh well i can't bite the hand that feeds you can you you know so there's that tension that exists there so i mean i don't have an answer Mm. for your question
0: that's pretty i mean i guess the good thing about say new zealand potential media is you've got um or to put the majority of it, it's not like it's in America where it's CNN this way, Fox that way. You, We're talking about people within a platform, not necessarily the platforms which are totally split yeah. if they're talking about the mergers, right? So maybe in absolutely. some ways we're talking about individual perspectives instead of, um, you know, big corporate uh, entities with bigger interests. Um, yeah, and finally absolutely. as well, did, did you see the, um, see, I'm starting to get into it just a little bit, <laughs> um, the Collins versus Jacinda questions in, in Parliament as well, which I, which I, which I watched. Did you see that?
2: Wait, on Tuesday.
0: Uh, I saw it on Wednesday. Yes. Yeah, so it must've been Tuesday. Yeah. And it was just very like, you know, why didn't you said the border security was good? And then why is it only 200 out of 9,000 or whatever has only been te- like, it was just, she asked it. So like calmly and savagely, like a tweet that I was like, yeah, that, that seems like a reasonable question. And then it was just quite weird. Um, did, what was the feedback from that? Was that good or bad? Who won that one? Well,
2: I don't know if it's winning or not. It's very, the House is, so Parliament, the House, it is very, question time, the whole purpose of question time is to hold the government to account, right? So that's when you have politicians from the opposition asking government ministers who spend taxpayers' dollars about issues.
0: Do they know the questions that's come in?
2: They only know the first one. Okay, So, like, for example, when I was advisor, an advisor, my whole job was to make sure that we could respond to what opposition was saying. So we'd have the first question and then I'd have to prep for all the potential other things and who knows where a question is going to go,
3: you know? Mm. So
2: like you'd have to try to think, oh my God, where might this go and what am I going to say? And then you have to prep and you get four hours to do that. So the questions come in at Mm. 10 and then house sits at two. So you have four hours to prep your minister and your minister to know what they're talking, you know, what's going on and then go down to the House and actually tell the truth, because the other caveat to all of this is that if they say something incorrect in the House, that's misleading the House, which means that's misleading the public, and that can be subject to a privileges complaint, which is the, the, the top sort of thing, you know, uh, sanction that can happen in Parliament. So... To say who won, I don't know, it's very difficult in the house to say if it's win or lose, because it's an exercise that they do every, when house is usually sitting every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Um, and it's actually often used as the information gathering, um, and you can ask to find out more information. So when I was watching it on Tuesday, the reason why I knew the school was not officially registered was because Nicola Willis, who is an opposition MP, asked Chris Hipkins, the education minister, about the Green School insofar as he could answer it and then asked about the registration of the school. And he that was when he said, no, it wasn't officially registered. So that is one of the uses of question time is actually information gathering rather than winning, losing, point scoring. Yeah.
0: But then they, they then know... As soon as they get that, if they've got an inkling that it is, then they can go and then the, yeah. the backstory that pops out of it, then all of a sudden, then yep. journalists are listen to that.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. because there's a okay. press gallery that sits up and looks down on the house as well. So they yep. know what they, so they're sitting in there watching it. And which is why this holding the government to account, no matter which government is, is so important, because this is where you get the heart of many, many issues. You know, there'll yeah. be an inkling, like you just said. And then that requires further investigation, which means more questions.
0: I get it. Learning more every day, Holly. Ah, um, yes. Anything else bubbling? Big big weekend uh, ahead? Uh,
2: big weekend ahead? No, it's been an extremely tough week. Um, I've had a lot of things going on. I held a debate. I moderated a debate on Ooh, Thursday. go on. Go um, on. Auckland Central candidates, which was oh. –
0: who
2: was that? So fun. So Chloe Swarbrick from the Green Party, Helen White yeah, from Labor Party, um, Emma it. Mello from National Party, and Toriki Delamere from TOP. And he's former Labor cabinet immigration, Labor cabinet minister. He held the immigration portfolio, and now's come back with TOP. So I had those four candidates. I had to moderate. I was fantastic. It did get a little bit heated at times. And You're the thing to. that I found extremely Exciting was right at the end when we had the Q&A and we asked about tax and so um, at that point Toriki to had left But I had the other three wahine on the call and it turned into like a big debate about um, Green party policy and labor policy and national policy and who had the best tax policy um, but the thing I would say is it's an example of Very respectful robust debate. So there was no time no point in that where I felt I had to need to step in but they all had their go, and it was it was great. I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, shit, yeah. Sounds like I mean, you 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 lightened up when you talked about being a moderator. Maybe you're the <laughs> the, the the middle person that could that could craft these things, and they can safely come to you. I think it's I think it's good. But just quickly, let's say if you earn yes, uh, if you run a company that's makes ten million dollars right yes. now today, what who yes. should you vote for? If you made ten million dollars, well,
2: why is it? Why is your vote? measured by how much money you make or whether you're okay business. no i'm
0: saying that whose tax policy would be the best
2: oh okay thank you you have to give context to your party you're, like... you're talking about the tax policy yeah, taxes. You... directness um so oh okay here you go so go. national would keep everything the same so they said that yep. they would just make no changes in the next term Labour's tax policy is yet to come out. Helen said it's coming out shortly. So maybe it's coming out today. Maybe it's coming out early next week. And Green Party uh, said that they're going to put a wealth tax on. So it's up to 45% tax on wealth um, for over a million dollars, I think it is, um, which includes assets and things like that. So I guess it's whatever you're driven by, your values and behind. But what I say is status quo, national. and we don't know labor because it's gonna come out shortly. And if you inherently think that you don't pay enough tax and you want to pay more, then perhaps the Greens if you're in that income bracket.
0: Perfect. Now who out of all of it is gonna pay my wife if she was a nurse at Starship more? Well, that's
2: more a teachers. different policy question.
0: That's what I'm saying. Well, who's got the best policy that's gonna pay the teachers or the um, nurses more?
2: I'm- like, I love what I do, do you know but yet? I don't go through line by line and look at their policies so um, that I can answer your, <laughs> your
0: I d- random I just like it because it's if you go, this is question time, it's question time. <laughs> Big business <laughs> goes clearly goes blue in blue national taxes Texas, and then you know I'm just I'm interested to see you know who's going to look after the teachers who help the kids and you know it's a balance off. Um, I appreciate your time, uh, Holly. Be good this weekend. Um, hopefully you go check out some very cool stuff and um, let me know how it all goes and I'll be talking to you soon.
2: Awesome. Thanks for see ya. you, Do you, want,
0: you want, I'll give you claps.
2: Yes. Thank you.
0: Adios. There you go. A lot of politics today. Uh, team. One minute pitch time. I'm actually quite excited for this one. Usually um, uh, you know people have an emails introduction. I got an email with a link to a video which was an introduction about the introduction we're about to have. So we went meta before we'd even met. So ladies and gentlemen, bring it into the stream. I'll give you I'll give you claps. Marlon, what's up, my friend?
3: Oh man, enjoying life. What about you?
0: A okay. I'm I'm Perfect. very excited for your one one minute pitch. Now um I'm if I get it right, it's Marlon Johnson.
3: Marlon Johnson. Yeah, think and, Marlon Brando.
0: Yeah, Malik. <laughs> and so where, where are you, where, before I'll give you a minute, where do you live, where are you based?
3: I'm based now in Victoria, British Columbia in Canada, but left from Wanaka.
0: Oh, so wait a second, are you not in Wanaka? Where are you?
3: I'm not in Wanaka at the moment. I'm now in Victoria, BC.
0: Oh, no, sh- two, so, so you're doing your one-minute pitch, not even from New Zealand.
3: <laughs> yeah, but holding it true, just overseas.
0: Dude, that is flipping great. I love it. That is so good. I love you cheeky bastard. I think it's flipping great. Good on you, mate. You, flipping, you live the flipping dream. That's that's great. Okay, I'm just going to try you. and uh, put this off. Okay. Um, are you ready to rumble? I'm going to bring in the little timer. I'm ready. And then I'll, I'll count you down and you can you can absolutely, I'm, I'm interested for this one. And I love the hustle that you're not even in New Zealand. It's so great. Okay. All right. Three two one go for it buddy
3: mental health and adding to our toolkit i've created a fundraiser a fundraiser. a 30-hour walk on september 19th and 20th for an organization called take a hike take a hike engages vulnerable youth in a full-time program of intensive and continuous clinical counseling outdoor adventure academics and community they empower youth with the skills and resilience they need to navigate the challenges of life build healthy relationships, and carve out their own path to success. 30 hours is an hour for every time I've been around the sun, a goal of raising $30,000, getting rebet to 30,000 followers on LinkedIn, and raising education and conversations surrounding mental health, growth, and development. I'm doing the 30-hour walk as a challenge to myself, and I challenge you to take a moment after this and consider the conversations that you and your peers are having surrounding mental health. And if you're in a position to do so, donations are hugely appreciated.
0: Mate, well done. Okay, I'll, I don't know if you can hear that. i remove that out. Oh, hold up. I've yeah, yeah. Going up. Okay. Uh, good pitch, mate. Well done. So, thirty-hour, thirty-hour walk. Yeah. It's aggressive. Yeah,
3: it, it's aggressive. I've been training a like modified a marathon training program.
0: Jeez. Uh, and so what's the website? Where can they go to?
3: Uh, on GoFundMe, if you search 30-Hour Walk, or Instagram MaxJoy. And can I link in the comments or somewhere?
0: Yeah, of course, man. Cool, so, cool. Max Joy 30-Hour Walk, uh, go, GoFundMe? What was he saying? Yeah, on GoFundMe. Awesome. Hey, nice to meet you, man. Um, appreciate Thank the, the email intro and the um, the video intro before the intro. So very meta. Well done. I'll give you it. Yeah, yeah. Or claps.
3: Yeah, thanks so much.
0: Shout, buddy. Awesome, brother. Talk soon. Very cool. Last but not least, Cassie Roma. Weapon, I'll give you, I know you like the music to, to come in. Hey, how hey, Morena, how are you? A lot of politics talking today. A lot of politics. Tell you what, I needed a few coffees for this. Ooh. Jeez, a lot of, a lot of, so let's switch it. Let's talk about the new Ooh. YouTube Ooh. algorithm that's demonetizing.
4: <laughs> Can um, we, oh, should we talk about the new law in Australia where they're just not going to allow like news people to be on, or the news sites? No, nope, we'll not talk about that. We'll not talk about that today. Um, I'll okay, send you a link. Remember,
0: have you gone for your run today? I'm going to do, I have,
4: side. I had one yesterday um, and I am doing a lecture actually for Auckland Uni next Uh, so after the lecture will be the
0: run very cool uh what's the lecture Mm
4: the lecture is going to be on uh purposeful storytelling for businesses and how to cut through the content clutter
0: cutting through the very very topical very topical right now um this week in uh new zealand business media tech all your awesome worlds what's been the most important thing that's mattered to you this last week the, the thing that's most mattered,
4: important, but I've had four coffees. Can we just talk about the effect of caffeine on my brain on a Friday morning? Um, <laughs> of, this, it's is a just, this is just, this is well, maybe it would help. Um, this week, I think the reason I'm stumbling over my words is because I've had so many people this week, Rebette, so many people reach out about when our big business is going to start talking about, not just big businesses, all businesses and and. Culture as a whole start talking about the fundamental effect of 2020 and the negative aspects of it on the mental health of our young people, and that includes like the university students I'm going to be talking to, the young folks in the media industry, you know, the 23, 24, 25 year olds coming up and through, and who've lost their jobs. When are we going to start putting into action, not just talking about um, what's going, what we're, what the world's going to look like this time next year for them? And, and for business because the mental health side of this pandemic, I don't think we've even scratched the surface. And if we don't have healthy, happy employees or people hungry to hustle and, and to do yeah. their jobs, then it's gonna, it's gonna be a long, long, long tail. Um,
0: and right from the start of the first lockdown, this was something that we had talked about and I've brought up multiple times of the long tail of the headspace of a nation is- That's right going to be now and this is what's even crazier is we're talking about a country with only five million people that went crazy went locked down for like five weeks covid free for a hundred days or whatever and now back into like a bit of a uh, a a little dip and if we're talking about that in new zealand what's america going to do i'm in month that's right we're in month six Yes. Yes, you are.
4: Yes. Yeah.
0: My parents started locking down in February.
4: Yeah. Well, it's, I feel like the second, the second little blip and we talked about this last week as well. The second wave has been so much harder for everybody. I was talking to, um, somebody super high up in, in one of the biggest agencies here in New Zealand yesterday. Um, and you know, she said to me, shit, it has been hard. It's been hard on her for work. It's been hard on clients. It's been hard on her children. Um, I know that my teenager struggled the second time around the first time around, it was like novel, right? It was a novelty. Yeah. Um, this time around, it's like, oh shit, this could be the way it's going to go. So cool. We start to figure out how we do business, how we sell, how we productize, how we get things out into the ether, and how we cut through the content clutter, but where's the heart and soul behind it and how do we look after our people? Just like you said, the, you know, the mindset of the nation. This time next yep. year, we can start planning for that now.
0: Totally agree. I put a post up, um, whoever, I was like, you know, whoever gets into government next needs to flip and quadruple down and it was yes. interesting because so many people were like, shit yes, totally into it. And I got a bunch of feedback that said, there is actually enough money there. It's been spent so badly with the worst shit possible that it's that's what's actually causing the stuff ups. And I, and so it was just really interesting. You know, you see one problem, but those that are in the mix are actually like money's actually good. How they're mm-hmm. spending it is utterly horrendous. And you know, got some good friends in the mix there. So, how do you think? What do you think the headspace of businesses owners? Let's like say your friend that runs the agency. Yeah. Where's your headspace at in terms of how they are repositioning what their business needs to do for the future? If if we're going to potentially start back and forth over the next little while, how they? I've been it really,
4: yeah, I've been really heartened um, to see a lot of folks taking this as super serious. It's not just one of those like corporate speak moments where businesses have started to go, okay, we recognize this, we're gonna slow down, and a lot of a lot of the big businesses are starting to look at. Their operations. And instead of calling their people resources, going, how do we take care of these human beings who are the the lifeblood of what we do? Um, I listened to uh, the CEO of Wildfang earlier talking about uh, the importance of people and why businesses exist. So, you know, we've been hearing for the last few years about purpose-led businesses and people going, we don't understand what our purpose is. And should we be here? And it's like, now's the time. Because it's the mm. purpose that will help the nation along. Um, from a monetary perspective, I'm going to leave that and like um, a governmental. I'll leave that with Holly and you to banter on. Because yeah. <laughs> I, I caught your last question about the um, the the questions from the the journalists, and it was interesting to hear her take on that because I had a different take. I was yeah. the one screaming at the TV, "Be quiet, Jason."
0: <laughs> well, no, no, yeah, um you come from a place of, of kindness. And I guess my question was around that of, you know, is, is it quite, it sounds like you're talking to another human quite mean. Do you, does, yeah. does the question need to be mean with, you know, like, a, and also
4: like you, he sounded a bit like a dog with a bone, which, which I understand we need to hold all of our government officials. We have to hold them to account. I get that. But is the 1 PM COVID briefing the place on time? If it is, and, and I just am unaware of that, then maybe we need to make that clear to the public so we're not yelling at our TVs, but I'm yeah. with you. Like, you can be clear, and you can be strong, and you can also be kind.
0: Mm. Yeah, got it. Uh, <laughs> and I'd probably, the I feel like such a that.
4: mom this morning.
0: Yeah, <laughs> four coffees will do that to you. You um, you can do this, and you can do this. <laughs> uh, quickly changing tech. I saw a post from Wendy Thompson talking about there's an influencer charter or something there was popping up like not a charter as such Mm, um mm. some type of new advertising guidelines do you know much about what's bubbling there you looked into that
4: um i haven't only because i've heard from probably a dozen different sources that this is this is something that's been bubbling away for a while i Mm. think there's a similar uh look in the states for for not just as an influencer but a marketing charter as such i believe one exists so this is kind of like a spin-off. spinoff. Um, there's one in Australia that's, that's in the making as well. Um, I will be interested to see how it flows uh, and to see how brands and creators alike, um, how they apply it in the actual like iteration that they put out into the world.
0: Yeah, I am might actually be keen to maybe get Wendy on the show to, to talk it through because it's something that I've, I feel pretty passionate about in terms of not only the business models behind it, but how there's been so many glaringly link- Holes that are causing big problems for brands and people and the rest of it that still haven't been addressed, even though we've talked about it a million times. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's cool that it maybe it finally is because obviously maybe the marketplace is just finally catching up or whatever. Um, you you, you want to say something? Sorry.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I, I just have a deeper thought on all of that too, is that especially it. in New Zealand, where we have, um, you know, like you said, we're a team of five million here and it has taken us a while to catch up. To where "quote unquote" the rest of the world is, or that, at least that's one way of looking at it. Sometimes I think of that Kiwi consumers and Kiwis, just as human beings, are a little bit more switched on when it comes mm-hmm. to influence, influencer marketing, co- marketing content creation. Um, so I see a lot of influencers getting away with things where they haven't hashtagged gifted or hashtagged um, ad. But at the same time, it's it's glaringly obvious to consumers that it is an ad or it is gifted. So I feel like there's always going to be, yeah, yeah.
0: Someone, I think it's going to get to the point. What I might do is, yeah, get her on, talk it through it. But it's just super simple for for me. If if you're misleading the public through a platform when people are choosing to, you know, follow you or whatever you're committing fraud. If you're buying your followers and you're leveraging it for context to get, to get paid, like I did the math and I went through I created a little spreadsheet mm-hmm. and I might have told you a couple of times, 70% of New Zealand influencers have bought their shit leveraging it of course to they have. money. Of course like, they have. And then the agencies that were in the middle that, like I was in a meeting with the agency with someone who I knew was buying it and I was with the brand and I had to pull the brand guy out and I told him not to do the deal and for, to walk and I'll explain later. And basically, I showed him what I'd found, and he was like, "Holy shit! How is this? This is happening!" And I said, "This is how they're doing it. Yeah, and no one yeah. is, no one is saying anything about it." So I think this is this is great because it, what it does is it's for it screws with people who genuinely add value to others, who genuinely have partnerships, mm-hmm. who are that's right, to that do stuff, who have their own little sort of side gigs. They, you know, these these crew are sort of stuffing it up. But I do hope that through all this COVID stuff, that you know, brands are looking at every penny a bit closer, and hopefully this just puts a bit of filter to try and even the playing field a little bit in terms of, you know, the expectation. So I genuinely feel a lot of brands are getting exploited right now with it, it sucks.
4: Well, and I think there's another point to that too, as somebody who's been sitting on the other side of, you know, on the brand side of things, there is a due diligence from both an agency side of things whether it's an influencer agency whether it's a digital agency whether it's a creative agency and there's the same level of diligence that must be done by the brand marketer to go let me just have a little tickle and see if these 100,000 followers are real people are they does this look yeah. like it's false did they build 2 million followers in 3 days like or is it a Tony Street or a Hillary Barry, who are loved and trusted and who tell their stories and who people, who they actually have influence, you know? Um, yeah. And that's what I meant earlier by New Zealand consumers understanding and being a bit more uh, switched on as it were because you can tell who the false influencers are really just by having a look at a newsfeed and how quickly their, their growth happens versus somebody who's been around for a long time or a micro-influencer. There's a woman called Caitlin Taylor, who is, um, she helps women find, she's a stylist. She helps women find clothes that suit them and their lifestyles for um, really affordable prices. She doesn't have tons of followers, but she's one of the most powerful storytellers I've ever met. So like, how do you play in that middle ground, right? And then call out the ones who've bought their followers and then call out the agencies in the middle of those meetings to do their homework.
0: Yeah. Well, it just, I think it just screws the market for someone's lifestyle who's trying to livelihood that's been genuine. Um, and especially when it's all True. digital, what's the yep. framework for them to have a, a fair shot at these things? And the reality is if they're up against a whole bunch of people that have faked it, they're actually not even in the pecking order for an opportunity because they've been pushed out through through fraud. So I, I just Yeah. Feel, that becomes I,
4: education. It's, that's an yeah, education like, like,
0: yeah, piece. Yeah. I mean, I've been hit up a bunch of times for people like, we'd love you to do this campaign or some shit. Mm-hmm. I was like, I just reply back. I am not an influencer and I've never paid a cent. No one's ever given me a cent to post anything ever and I will never do it. That is just not... Because exactly the point, if all of a sudden I come up with, like, hashtag Colgate White Night, this is flipping great, or flipping <laughs> hashtag oh, flipping super super, oh. super blessed with my flipping little case from whatever. It's like Hella
4: like, gifted with like, my piss, lippy. I know. Yeah, it's, like, it's
0: like piss off. Like, that's not real. World. Like, real world is you wake up, you look like shit, you're smelly, your eyes suck, you haven't had a shower, you need a flipping coffee, it's bag under your eyes, you're flipping dirty, you got hair all over your shit. It's like mm-hmm. – that that whole yeah. false thing. I, I can't wait for that to, like, I would love someone to become to. This, this is actually genius. Someone should become the anti-influencer of being like like real world Ridge, right? And real world Ridge is just takes up and is sort of like gut hanging out, just hairy, hasn't shaved yet, dirty dishes because it's just like just dude. Real I, world that's rich.
4: that's that's you and me. We are real. Look at this. Look, going for a run, no makeup, Friday morning, four coffees in, like just Vance. That's that's real-world reach too. I mean, there's yeah there's a point where, to what you said, the real the the real folks who understand the the power and the purpose of their reach and their platform and their abilities to put good into the world, um, where they do deserve to to not be teased for the hella gifted or the unboxing or whatever they do, but the rest of it I feel is less of a we must write a charter or we must have new new laws in place for this um, type of marketing and more a how in the hell do we change society so that young kids don't grow up thinking that the Kardashians and money is what they need versus having your mate Rabette drinking a soda, pop in the sunshine and just going, fuck, this is the life, right? So it's it's a a societal shift. It's a societal shift.
0: Mm. Uh, Hopefully there's a wave that meets us back in the middle with it. Um, It's something that I... i remember when i first talked to some young bucks a couple of years ago and what they cared about was oh if i got over a hundred likes mm-hmm, that meant mm-hmm. i was cool in my class and and, yeah. and a kid told me that and i'm just trying to comprehend in my head like this is what you're, yeah. this is what you it's think the new is. social currency yeah it's a- i was like holy shit! like it wasn't i mean ours was play sport whatever but um i Let's get winning on the show. I'm keen to talk about it more. And there is something that can be done. I just don't know, you know, who's who's fighting the good fight for those who can't, don't, aren't big enough to have a voice? Like, how do you make that playing field even? You know, it's, it's, it's and, tough, but I just, I, I feel for them. And
4: does, but, the, and also, Rebette, does it become that, as you just said, there there's a place in time where you just say, I'm actually not going to be paid to put anything on my channels. Or if I choose to live a life, where I am being paid for my social media influence or the person who I put myself out to be on social media, where's the where's the give and take for what I'm willing to do and what I'm willing not to do. And I think it's an educational piece with brands as well and going, don't be hoodwinked by the large numbers and the shiny likes, dig deeper,
0: dig deeper. Yeah, I've got no... I think it's great when you've got partnerships. I think it's shit when it's like a streaming feed of transactional non-emotive yeah. stuff, which they don't genuinely yep. care about. They're just yep. like, I'm a walking billboard, just put a slogan yep. on my foot and forehead and give me 10 grand and life's all G. It's like, what?
1: Like,
4: Which is why, what? and have you seen influencers in the wild, the Instagram yes. account, which is why that has gone gangbusters because again, like brand marketers follow that. Follow influencers in the wild and then rethink all of your influencer yeah. campaigns to do exactly what Rebette said and partner with people who love your brand already. Yes, partner with people long term.
0: It's like yes. cause if there's yep. Anyway. Um yeah, I, know. <laughs> I, I like we go in these little these little little mental. Because oh, <laughs> I don't think there's too many people that sit in the middle from both that can see it without a vested interest in it. You know, yeah. you are, I yeah. am, you know, um, we understand both sides. It's not like we've got a vested interest with, with equity or upside on any of the ones that represent them. I'm just thinking from a, you know, average Billy Joe sitting in the street, how, you know, that the current market is right fair for them. It's, that's not no, fair. But, so it's like, but it's just yeah. make it fair. That's all. Make it fair.
4: We could talk about this all day because, you know, winning the influencer game anyways, right now is like winning the lottery when it comes to mm. algorithms and being seen and all of that so again it, it comes to teaching young people teaching the the brand marketers coming up teaching the agency folks the digital marketing people that it's a long game it is a long game to win trust and to be able to put value back into the world so when you put money behind an influencer campaign do it the right way
0: well they see it as a campaign not consistency that's constant with care right it's different um, correct always love chatting to you. So good luck with the, <laughs> the the speech good luck with the young bucks um i am keen ask them a question around how do they what do they feel social currency is in 2020 specifically like i'd just be like to know, you know if i was 20 right now like what what's the actual this is just new this new woke shit do they get it do they really get it you know um I don't know.
4: The last time I asked that, the new woke shit was literally turning off. It was what you started to talk about earlier when it was the anti-influencer, not online, kind of like yeah. what Elon team. Musk was before he got on to Instagram, you know? That's yep. that's where I can see our, our 18 to 22-year-olds heading already from the last few lectures I've done, so, yeah.
0: Cool. Um, be good, be well, and um, stay safe. I can't, Sorry, I can't play you Elton, but I'll, I'll give you a bit of that. I'll sing it in my head.
4: A
3: little
0: yes, música español. Adios. Adios. So good. Cassie Roma. Weapon, weapon, weapon. Good human, good human, good human. Uh, so that is us for another day. Uh, we've got, again, a lot more into some of the political stuff. Uh, next week, uh, we've got, I think, pretty close to con- confirming a. Pretty pretty, pretty big weapon, uh, which you we might be joining. And uh, thanks so much for the time and tuning in, everybody. Enjoy the rest of the, the Friday. Um, this episode has been brought to you by brightfire.co.nz. Basically, if you're into business, education, media events, bunch of cool stuff, um, there is some extremely tactical and practical information for New Zealand businesses down there we can check out. And also, uh, switch.stream. Uh, stream, switch.stream, you can check it out. Uh, cool, have a good day, everybody. Enjoy the rest of it. Be good, be well. Adiós.